0: hi guys this is buddy and we have another question this one is from a listener in accra an anonymous listener and her question reads it's a really long question it's one two three four questions in one it says when god said the only commandment with a promise is honoring parents what exactly did he mean the second question says when he said parents should not provoke their children to anger in what context was it the third question says, What happens if one parent is unfit and the other is not because of the treatment he gives his child? Will that be an exemption with a reason being that the parent doesn't perform his duties and therefore his child's heart is filled with pain? Wow. The fourth is, um, question says, if the child finally forgives the dad for all the pain caused okay so now the anonymity is, is shaking here so now i know i know that it's it's a dad issue all right if if the child finally forgives the dad for all the pain caused as he not performing his fatherly duties especially when he doesn't give the girl child money ah it's also a girl <laughs> he doesn't give the girl child money when he has Will it be right if the girl decides to punish her dad a bit for him to feel the pain he made her go through? Oh, wow. Okay. It's a very powerful question. You know, It's a really, really good question. So let's take it one after the other. What does the Bible say about all this? When God said the only commandment with a promise is honoring parents, what exactly did he mean? Well, um, Paul is the one who was speaking in Ephesians 6, verse 1 and 2 when he said that um, the only commandment with a promise is unreal parents I mean, and he was quoting god okay he was quoting exodus chapter 20 um exodus chapter 20 verse 12 is what he was quoting you know if you look at the 10 commandments the 10 commandments um starts with uh, the first commandment says um, you shall you shall love the lord your god and serve him only the second commandment says you, sh- you don't make any idols don't don't try to make any idols to replace god the third commandment says don't take the name of the lord in vain the fourth commandment says um, remember the sabbath day to keep it holy then the fifth commandment verse 12 says honor your father and mother this is the first commandment with promise you know if you if you uh, contrast this to ephesians 6 1 and 2 i mean this is not what we are talking about but i just want to throw this in there real quick the first one says obey your parents in the lord for this is right, honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment. We promise. Now, your parents in the Lord, obeying your parents in the Lord, has you know, it's 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 a it's a it's a subject of debate for a lot of you know theologians and a lot of um, people who have read this passage, um, whether it means that you should obey your parents when what they are saying is tallying with the word of God. Or you should obey your parents because of the Lord. Or you should obey your parents uh, for the reason that you are in the Lord. I mean, there are so many explanations that are given to it. But here is what it is, right? Obey your parents in the Lord. This is right. And now your father and mother. This is the first commandment of we'll the promise. Your parents in the Lord are the people who are your parents because of the fact that you are in the Lord, so your spiritual parents—that's what it means. Okay, so when it comes to your spiritual parents, that is your pastors, people who are who are who, are, who have um, um, oversight of you as spiritual parents. Obey them. And now your father and mother is what is written in because when you check Exodus 2012, you don't see anything such as obey your parents in the Lord. What Exodus 12 says and address, addresses directly is honor your father and mother, so that you may live long and it may be well with you. That's what Exodus 12 says and that's what Paul was quoting. Right? Obey your parents in the Lord is a different commandment referring to um, obeying your spiritual parents. You know, there was a time in the Bible when um, a certain guy came to Jesus and said, oh, um, father you know he called jesus you know, some a, a certain name to the effect of calling him a father or daddy or something of the sort And jesus told him that listen call no man your father upon the earth because your father is only one he's in heaven you know and this this scripture also is another it's, an, it's, it's another um, source of debate right what jesus meant by saying that call no man your father upon the earth and that there's only one father which is god what jesus meant by saying that is that You know, by saying that alone, Jesus was trying to explain that when it comes to fatherhood, there are different types and different levels. Okay? Um, There's your biological father. There's your spiritual father. There's your father. There are types of fathers, right? Your father-in-law. There's your father in Christ. Your father in Christ may, may not necessarily be your spiritual father. Your spiritual father is the one who feeds you spiritual food all the time your father in christ is the one who led you to christ so and for many people this these two are different the one who led them to christ is not necessarily the same as the one who is feeding them spiritually you understand what i'm saying you can you can even have a father in sin the person who taught you how to sin is your father in sin right there are different types of fathers and one person what jesus was trying to say is that there is no single person in this world that can take on all these rules and be all in one except god that's what he he meant by saying call no man your father he wasn't trying to say that don't refer to anybody as daddy or don't call anybody your father or don't you know see anybody to be a father that's not what he meant at all what he was trying to point was the all in all nature of god which makes him sufficient to be a father in all respects and all regards He's a total and complete father that, I mean, he covers all areas. He covers all grounds. As for the earthly fathers, they can only be one role or one function, or at most two at a time. Because if you take a case like father in Christ and spiritual father, the person who led you to Christ might also be the, the, the same person who is um um uh, feeding you spiritually right so in that sense you have one that your father in christ is the same as your spiritual father or you may have um um your father in the ministry or your your father your spiritual father being your biological father also you know for many people like um preacher's kids you know if you're a, a pk or a preacher's kid your father may be your spiritual father because you are in his church and he feeds you spiritual food you know from week to weekend regularly and at the same time he's the one who gave birth to you so he, he makes you your your um your biological father too and sometimes your father-in-law may be your spiritual father one person can only take on so many roles you know there are, another type of father you can have is a foster father or a stepfather these are all types of fathers but there's no one person that can take on all these roles simultaneously. But God can. And that's exactly what he is. He's our father. He's our grandfather. He's our great-grandfather. He's our um, father-in-law. He's our everything. Because he's the one who is able to cover all those grounds, right? And so that, I was just saying that, by the way. When Paul said Honor your father and mother because it's the first commandment with promise. He meant it literally. Because when you look at the ten commandments in Exodus chapter 20, um, after obey your honor your, your father and mother um, so that your days may be long and may be well with you, it goes on to say, Don't steal, don't murder, um, don't commit adultery, and then don't covet your neighbor's property. That's 10, right? So and if you look at all the commandments, none of them come with a promise. Literally, there's none that come with a promise. The first commandment which says, um, um, serve God and serve Him only. That's it. That's all it is. If anything, it comes with a, a punishment rather than a, a promise. It's a promise of punishment. There's no reward attached there. The second one says, don't make any idols. Don't try to replace God with anything else no no reward no promise no nothing attached the third one says don't take the the name of the lord in vain. and it adds that if you do that it will be easy for you the lord will not hold him guiltless that does that kind of thing then the next thing it says is um remember the sabbath day, keep it holy then it, it continues to say you "No, know, it explains why you must do that but that's where it ends But when it comes to the next commandment, which is to honor your father and your mother, it explicitly adds a reward to it. it says that, so that it may be well with you, and then your days will be long on the earth. And then as for the the subsequent um, um, commandments there, they are just statements, they are just one line, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not commit adultery. It's It's just, next point, next point, please, next point, next point, then you shall not covet your neighbor's property, it explains what property we are talking about. It can't be their wife, it can't be their donkey, it can't be their you understand. So when Paul said um that is the first commandment with promise, he meant it literally and actually is the only commandment with promise, only commandment with promise. All right, so that's that's the, the that's that's what he meant. The second question says, When he said parents should not provoke their children to anger in what context was it? Beautiful question. So when Paul said, um, when Paul was commanding us, was, was giving a command and he says, now, parents, don't provoke your children to anger. What he meant was that, what the context that it was in is that, parents, your children are supposed to honor you. And so don't put them in a position where they'll be forced to dishonor you. That is, that is what he meant by do not provoke your children to anger. What he was trying to say is that parents should not push children to the wall to a point where they would have to disobey the commandment which, which says that they should honor them. Do see. But having said this, let me also put out this disclaimer very fast. Let me add it <laughs> very quickly that whenever God gives a command to multiple people like for instance um, the case of husbands and wives it's in the same breath, right? Um, whenever it comes like that whoever it applies to, you must you must take your commandment and run with it and your obedience to that commandment is not dependent on the obedience of the next person. So, for instance, um, there's, a, there's um, like Ephesians 5, it begins by saying, Wives, be submissive. And then it continues to say, Husbands, love your wives. The submission of the wife to the husband is not dependent on the loving of the husbands. You no, know, the husbands love. And the husbands loving their wives is not dependent on their wife's submission. You are supposed to love anyway. Whether she submits or not, yours is to love. And you can't use her submission as a, a reason to not love her. And when you are submitting, your own is to submit. And you cannot use his lack of love as a reason to not submit. In fact, First Peter chapter 3 verse 1 says that wives... In trying to address this thing that I'm saying, God said, Wives, submit to your husbands in such a way that even if they are unbelievers, without having to say anything, without any discussion and conversation, they will be changed by your godly attitude. They will be converted by your godly attitude. And so one of the reasons why it is important to make sure that you look at what you've been commanded to do, stick to it and obey it regardless, is so that by your godly attitude and by your obedience to God, other unbelievers who may later on realize that, hmm, even though I don't deserve this honor I'm being given, I'm still being given in a way. Let me pay attention to this person's attitude. Let me ask the reason for their, their behavior. Or let me pay attention to why they are behaving like that. You know, God's love is designed such that it, it kicks like that. Alright? And the Bible, Jesus said that, let your light so shine so that people will say give glory to God. The reason why God commands us to do all these things is not only because it is His will for us, but it's also to the end that men will see and glorify Him. It's one reason why. So, when the Bible says that parents don't provoke your children to wrath, it is not a license for children to disobey or to dishonor and say, Oh, I mean, He provoked me. That's why I did what I did. In fact the bible even says that you know parents should not provoke their children why if he didn't provoke me i would not look god is not mocked the bible says galatians 6 7 god is not mocked whatever a man sows he will weep okay and and um i don't want you to say too much about it but i need you to understand that your obedience to a certain commandment Especially when it is compartmentalized in one breath, like this, you know, because inefficiencies it addresses children, then it addresses parents, then it addresses masters, then servants, and you know, it goes like that. Your your obedience to your master is not dependent on their treatment, and your servant's yieldedness does not determine how you, you also treat them fairly. All right, and so it's like that, that's how it goes and the bible says god will reward each man according to their works and if your reason to disobey god god's direct command to you is another person's disobedience then you will really you will really be hot all right so it is very important that this thing is put in a right context when it was said that parents should not provoke their children it means that they should not provoke their children. But children is also not a license for you to misbehave. You understand? The next question says, what happens if one parent is unfit and the other is not because of the treatment he gives to his child? Will that be an exemption? With the reason being that the parent doesn't perform his duties and therefore his child's heart is filled with pain. That's what I just explained. That um, okay. Let me let me use another thing to explain. Matthew five matthew 5 jesus was when you start reading from verse 38 to verse 48 right jesus begins in verse 38 by saying an eye for an eye is not a good thing that somebody has done this to me so i also do you know i will pay him in this way in this similar way it's not a good thing it's not something that is advised and then jesus continues to say that um when you love your neighbor and you hate your enemy what reward do you have you don't have any reward for that there's no reward for loving your neighbor loving those who love treating those who treat you right you know treating them right and then not treating those who treat you right wrong i mean there's no reward for that and jesus continues by saying these exact things by saying that look even sinners can do that the difference between you and the world is that you don't repay evil with evil. And the world, you know, that the church right now is, is um bereft of power because it is full of words, many words, and very small action. And so when it comes to um Hardcore obedience, where we have to actually implement what we see in the Bible and you know do what it says, it becomes a problem. And one of the justifications is that, look, if you treat me right, I'll treat you right. This is exactly what Jesus is trying to address here in Matthew 5. And Jesus goes on to say that your Heavenly Father, He doesn't say that, oh, this group of people don't obey me, so I'll not give them rain or sunshine. Jesus says that. When God sends rain, he sends it upon both the wicked and the righteous, both the good and the evil. He sends rain to all of them, he sends sunshine to all of them. And then Jesus concludes by saying in verse 48 that to be perfect, just as your heavenly father is perfect, be perfect like what he means is that look at God's behavior and you to do it like that. Because actually, the love that we are enjoying as Christians, it began when we didn't even deserve it. The Bible says, while we were yet sinners, when we didn't even know God, Jesus Christ came to die for us. You know, we heard the gospel and we heard that somebody had died for us. We didn't even know him, but he had already died for us. He had already paid the price for us. And Jesus is trying to say that what we have a reward for is when we, when we love those who hate us and we pray for our enemies instead of cursing them. And so when when you honor your parents only because they treat you right, there is no reward for that. There is no, there is no, when I say there is no reward for, for that, I mean that you are not doing anything special. It will, it will rather be, you know, and I, the ideal case is supposed to be that. That is supposed to be the ideal case, that your parents treat you right and not provoke you to anger, and that you honor them. That is the ideal case. But there is a certain kind of special blessing and attention that that attracts um the case where or that applies to the case where um even though your parents are not treating you right like in this case you said the parents doesn't perform his duties and so the child's heart is filled is filled with pain if in spite of this pain the child is able to still honor then there's a special reward for that all right and so is it justified that the child um um, um retaliates you know is it justified because the, you know the child has been treated wrong no it's not biblically it's not it's not justified at all and um it will be a shame for us to behave in any other way apart from what the bible has prescribed just because of provocation and how we feel all right so um there's a lot more i can say about it but because of time let's move let's move on if the child finally forgives the dad for all the pain he's caused as he not performing his fatherly duties especially when he doesn't give the girl child money even when he has will it be right if the girl decides to punish her dad a bit for him to feel the pain he made her go through i think this this is the other question we phrased so right now i know you are a girl child (laughs) and i know the problem has to do with your dad this particular question is a question of forgiveness and revenge so um let's just tackle this once and for all okay when we say forgiveness what does it mean when we say somebody has forgiven someone what does it mean what does it really mean does it mean that you don't remember the offense anymore or does it mean that when the person comes around you put up a joyous attitude whether it's fake or real just to foster peace. I mean, you don't want any issues or you don't want any trouble or you don't want to be tagged as, you know, somebody who is bearing a grudge. So, I mean, you're going to just behave like everything is fine just for peace sake. Is that what it means to forgive? Actually, when you study the whole concept of forgiveness, the full picture of, of, of forgiveness from Genesis to Revelation, the basic point of forgiveness, what it means, is memory without revenge. That's basically all that forgiveness is. So, you may remember the offense. It may be fresh in your mind. But your deliberate decision to not respond or react in like manner or retaliate, that is forgiveness. So, is my forgiveness complete if I forgive? Or is my forgiveness incomplete if I don't forget? So maybe having haven't really forget, forgotten about what this person did to me. Does not mean that I've not really forgiven a person? No, that's not what it means. You may remember still, but you don't have to react based on that memory. That is forgiveness. That is forgiveness. You know, I don't want to give you ideas, but I'll just make a simple reference. You will notice that God forgives the Israelites multiple times but sometimes when he's angry and he's rebuking them or when he's not happy about what they've done and he's rebuking them sometimes he references certain things that they did in the past even though he's forgiving them and he's not going to hold it against them he's trying to drive home a point and tell them that you did this before careful you did this before and you asked me to forgive you and i did I'm not going to do anything based on that thing that you did. But I'm just reminding you that you are going the same way again. You are going the same way again. So, when you forgive someone, is it good to reference the wrong to warn the person if they are going in the same direction again? Yes, it's very wrong. It's not good for you to do that. First Corinthians chapter 13 says that love does not keep a record of wrongs. When we say you are keeping a record of wrongs, it means that Okay, I'm not going to react based on this wrong that you've done. But also, I'm not forgetting. I'm just waiting. And whenever you do something, I'm going to remind you that you did it before. Is that what God was doing? No, that's not what he was doing. Let's return to the context. Your question is that if you forgive your dad and you decide to maybe show him something small just for him to feel how you were feeling, is it justified? Is it right? This is a question about vengeance. And Romans chapter 12 verse 19 says, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Right. The difficult thing about vengeance, the difficult thing about forgiveness, most times, is that we feel like um, justice has to be done. And most times we feel like no one understands like the way we do exactly how much pain this person has caused me and sometimes it even goes to the point where you feel like this person is deceiving everybody in this case your father right and especially when it's a church leader or a pastor and everyone else is, you know, is singing their praises and you know, saying all sorts of good things about them, you know that this guy is not a good guy. You know, because you have experienced it firsthand. And you feel like this guy is getting away with a lot. He's getting away with a lot. And you feel like there has to be some form of justice in the world. He's getting away with it. No one understands. No one knows how I feel. No one knows how I feel. If you knew how I feel, you would understand. Well, that's your unbelief talking. Because someone does understand. God understands. And what he's saying is, leave it for me. I will deal with it. I will deal with him. And you say, Oh, you, you don't you don't Because sometimes, it may may not even be a daddy issue. Maybe it could be that it's a divorce. A very messy divorce. And you have two children with this man. And he he cheated on you. That's what even led to the breakup. And he's with another woman now. And the children even like to go to him for holidays. Because he has everything in the house. He has games and and you have nothing. And so your children even prefer him over you. He, that was the cause of this whole thing. He, they they prefer him over you because the children don't understand the dynamics of it. He's getting away with it. Or maybe a certain guy made you pregnant and he left you. He left you with nothing. And he didn't just leave you. He left you for another person. And sometimes you want to show him something small. You want to... Just let him have a taste of his own medicine for him to see that, look, these kinds of things. It's your own belief that makes you feel like no one understands. When God says, I will handle it, he means it. He says, I will repay. And so sometimes, when we hear this kind of message, we think that it means that so, one day, maybe tan, lightning will strike them. Or maybe they will sleep and something bad will happen to them. And we, we actually, sometimes we wish that it happens like that. But Proverbs 24, I believe it's verse 17, it says that don't rejoice when your enemy stumbles. Or don't rejoice when your enemy falls to the ground. Otherwise, your unknowing God you will make God angry and God will even stop being angry at them because of your rejoicing. He will even stop, He will even punish them again. So so then what is it? How can you get justice for it? what they've done to you? Does it mean that they're going to go scot-free or what? I can't even rejoice if they are getting repayment for what they've done. They, then it means that they will never feel anything. They will never be justice will not be served. Whenever we take this kind of stand and we feel like justice will only happen if we are allowed to let the people have a taste of their own medicine. It is not just a statement that insults God's justice. Because this this stand is a lack of faith in God's justice. When he says, I will repay... In the light of all these scriptures of you know I can't rejoice over my enemies falling down and all that I don't think God can do a good job at this repayment thing. I think he will He will be easy on this guy too much. He'll be soft on him God I know him. He's loving and all these things. I mean I think this. he'll be soft on this guy It's not just an insult to his justice his quality of justice his character of justice It is also a statement that you know better than God. It pits you against Him. And it in effect disconnects you from Him. And He's the source of all life. And so if you disconnect from the source of all life, the only thing that is left is death. It's going to kill you. You have sentenced yourself to death. So, unforgiveness and bitterness is not just a matter of danger. It's not just dangerous, it is a serious case that can kill you, it can disconnect you from God and you can end up dying spiritually and physically just because you do not let go, just because you think that justice can only be served when the person has a taste of his own medicine. That's the reason why jesus says when you come and stand and you are praying and you have unforgiveness in your heart stop don't pray don't pray leave it go and make up with whoever it is you have a fault before you come and continue and he continues to say that if you don't do that if you don't forgive those who sin against you god cannot forgive you too because it is written do not judge not judge because however whatever measurement you use to judge that same measure will be used to judge you so you declaring that this person cannot be forgiven is a declaration that your sins too cannot be forgiven by god and so to let all these things not get complicated just leave it let it go just let it go don't don't trust God's justice, okay? The the whole end of this thing is this. This world is not our home, okay? And I know you've heard it many times that we are just passing through, we are just passing through. It is true. When Jesus comes and he breaks through the skies and we are caught up to meet him in the air, and you turn to your left while you are being caught up into, into the air, you turn to your left and you see this guy, this same guy who offended you, caught up with you, you are all going. What will be your reaction? We say, Hey, God, what, what, what is this? What's going on here? Will you be happy to see this person saved? That is, that is the true measure of forgiveness. Will you be happy to see this particular person saved. Maybe the person raped and killed your mother. Maybe the person did something very horrible to you. Now you've come to the saving knowledge of Christ and you know that we have all sinned. Because, you know, it's just like the the people bringing the woman who was caught in adultery to Jesus, right? And they said, Look, we caught this woman in the act of directly breaking one of God's laws that is clearly, I mean, it's in the Ten Commandments, it's there, thou shalt not commit adultery. She was in she was doing it. And Jesus said, Okay, granted. But maybe your sins are not as big and glaring of yours as this one. But if any one of you has never sinned, it may not be as big as this one, but any sin at all. Because what you want to do is to do justice, is that not it? Because it is written, Ezekiel eighteen twenty, the soul that sins must die. So you are right. You, this woman is sinning. She must die. But it didn't say the soul that sins big must die or the soul that sins small must die. It's just the soul that sins must die, that's all. So if any one of you hasn't sinned before you can cast a stone because you are within your rights but if you have sinned before then please come and join the woman in the middle let's stone all of you because you are just as guilty the bible says they dropped their stones and they left and it's always a question you should be asking ourselves are we deciding to be the better judges and administer justice because we've never seen before is that the reason why we are doing it but if we've seen before then let's let's leave it for the perfect judge because we are not perfect let's leave it for you know the quality of the justice also depends on the judge if a judge rules on a case in a normal legal system if a judge rules on a case and later on we find some character flaws in the judge All the cases he has ruled on (laughs) may be brought into question. All of them may be brought into question that if he's been able to do this, what else did he do? God is the only one who is faultless. We can never get anything to say about God. And so let's leave it for him. So dear anonymous listener, I know you're a girl and I know his daddy issues should you let your dad feel a little bit of pain because that's how you put it will it be right if the girl decides to punish her dad a bit for him to know the pain he has made for it it's not it's not it's not right why because we've been forgiven ourselves and it's an honor and a privilege for us to repay evil with good no Romans 12 the last verse I think I believe it's verse 21 it says that don't be overcome by evil but overcome evil with good you see it is a privilege for us to overcome evil with good and it's even a bigger privilege that while we are at it we are actually fulfilling a direct commandment of God which is to honor your father and mother it doesn't matter whether your father is in prison your mother is a drunkard or a prostitute it doesn't matter what your character is your own is to honor that is what the reward is tied to focus on the reward and go for it it is a big privilege that while we are overcoming evil with good we are actually fulfilling a commandment we are actually getting a reward for it isn't it beautiful so I hope you've been blessed. Um, you can play this over again and again. I totally enjoyed this question. You can also send me your questions askbuddy at gmail.com askbuddy at gmail.com or you can send me um, a WhatsApp message, um, a text, voice notes or a selfie video containing your question to plus 233-200-864-673 plus 864 God bless you for listening. Until we meet again. Bye.